I just always want artists to pursue the thing that is like most interesting to them. Uh, and I'll help in any way I can to like manage that and also put it in a framework that makes it make sense for people. Um, I think it's important for artists to be like open to that framework, whether it's a good or bad doesn't matter. The making good art and then making money are like two separate ideas that can happen at the same time. They don't mean the same thing ever, you know, and if they do, it just happens. happens. Uh, I got something to sell. Don't miss your chance, baby. It's jumping off the scale. I'm just a daydreamer. Got what you need and want. I ain't gonna charge you for it. Just come and get some. Welcome back, everybody, to the Thieves of Natural Podcast. I'm here with Mr. Zach Jones to my right. Thank you. And to his right, Mike Brady, artist manager, mm-hmm. and tour manager, entertainment industry savant. Uh, <laughs> Give us the broad strokes. Brag a little. Man, those are the main main things I'm up to right now. Um, doing artist management. I work with a DJ. work with a rapper, director. I do tour management as well. Um, started out in like the label world with Universal. Um, moved over to Cash Money. Went from that to doing um, independent uh, management. Kind of simultaneously stayed there. but. Also moved into doing tour management through that, and then um, eventually I moved to Nashville, and that's the super mm-hmm. super short rundown. Is that always kind of your track? Yeah, like growing up um, in high school, I was in an indie band. Like that was always just my go-to pastime was like make music, listen to music, talk about music. Going into like college years, I was born and raised in Texas, and. Um, I knew that like I wanted to go to either coast. So I was like, all right, I'm going to go to L.A. or like New York or um, I didn't end up in either of those. I ended up in Boston and I went to a school called Northeastern and I specifically went there because they had a program called the co-op program where they expect you to take six months off at a time and like do an internship um, and they'll help facilitate finding that. Uh, they have pre-existing relationships. And if you have a like totally separate idea from something they've done before, they'll help you like find the person to try and make that a reality. Uh, I figured, like, you know, everybody leading up to that point, you know, granted, I was like 17 years old going into that situation, but they're always like, you know, you make things happen through relationships, especially in an industry like entertainment. So I figured, you know, that co-op program sounded like the key to finding a job. So I went up there um, and while I was in Boston, I did separate internships apart from the co-op program like in music studios music venues like total shitholes nice places like the whole nine yards um and then by junior year i guess i was probably like 19 years old or 20 years old at that point i did an internship through the co-op program with a label called rounder records up in boston and they have like a big selection of like bluegrass music primarily. Um, they do like Alison Krauss. They did the Oh Brother Where Art Thou soundtrack. Okay. They also have this really big archive of dub music that they bought, which is super dope. Really dope label. Um, and I was doing uh, like radio promo internship at that time. Um, went back to school, did another co-op uh, my senior year in New York at Universal Republic Records. And then... Finished up college, moved to New York, had no job. Uh, eventually, I got a phone call from them that they just needed somebody to watch the phones while one of the 
um, like A&R assistants went to LA to work on the voice TV show. Universal Republic handles like the release of all the music for the voice, the voice. Yeah. Okay. Um, so I started out there doing just anything they needed, primarily watching phones, answering keeping the schedule for, um, the head of A&R at that time. His name was Tom McKay. He was like a real hard ass dude, like <laughs> no bullshit. And so then that turned into like A&R coordination. I was doing everything for everybody, but biggest tasks that I ended up getting assigned was to do um, the travel for cash money. Um, a guy named Imran Majid, who's at Columbia now, he was the primary contact for cash money in the A&R department at Universal Republic. And they route a lot of their expenses through the A&R budget. So they'll just like charge things to like the artists, like, yeah, <laughs> you anything. know, kind of abusing the budget for sure, yeah. like in a very stereotypical, like get him to the Greek kind of way. Just like, yeah, yeah, yeah. be like, yeah, like, you know, I mean, it happens a lot in music, but so uh, the one thing about that relationship between cash money and Universal, like they use the infrastructure of Universal for everything from sales to marketing, um, distribution, all that distribution. They don't. Uh, let Universal really touch anything on the creative end. So they kind of deliver final products to Universal. One of those services of Universal that they do use is the travel department. And since it was uh, getting routed through the A&R budgets, somebody from the A&R department needed to always be the middleman, basically. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, That's probably a good thing that they don't touch the creative side, though, right? Yeah. I mean, it allows artists a little more freedom. 100%. Yeah. I mean, that's why those projects, for better or worse, are what they end up being you yeah. know because it's usually a, an artist vision you know so like yeah. regardless of what you thought of like 2014 Lil Wayne like that's what he wanted to make yeah. <laughs> so, and before <laughs> like when he was like most people's god status it's like that's what he wanted to make then so yeah, yeah. yeah. and I'd always rather hear an artist like do what they want to do regardless of what my opinion of it is yeah but, yeah like the rebirth is it rebirth album? Yeah, the guitar album <laughs> yeah <laughs> yo honestly though we could say that that album probably influenced this whole new generation it probably did you dude. know or at least to an extent because that was like when he started skating and all of that you know him skating the clothing that he was wearing yeah yeah you know, he took it to an extreme like wearing moon boots and stuff but like he he definitely like paved the way for somebody like Young Thug, yeah. Who exactly. then took it even further, and then yep. you know here we are, the most <laughs> demented weirdo looking kids out ever. But very true. <laughs> <laughs> Working with Universal, or like I guess really getting into the music industry in the beginning. Did you know that management was kind of your route? Not exactly. Like I'm, I'm really the kind of person that will just roll with like whatever wave. I thought A and R would be the most interesting to me at least on the label side because it was most involved with the creative process or mm -hmm. facilitating the creative process even if it's not necessarily being super heavy-handed and you know changing what's happening but then eventually especially through the cash money situation like i ended up handling so much random day-to-day -day stuff that management just sort of naturally happened and i just don't like having like the same thing like routine usually mm -hmm. um so it just made sense my opinions of it have changed like over time you're like you get more like cynical or jaded or like no it's like um i wouldn't want to just manage like any project just because it's management um for like those who don't know what exactly is a and r uh a and r stands for artists and repertoire um it's 
on the label end, it is the person that helps make ideally the artist's vision come to life. Mm -hmm. Um, And so that involves putting an artist with producers or songwriters, even pitching them ideas about the content of the music or like an angle to take aesthetically. Um, Sometimes it gets a little bit like more heavy handed, like, and that's where you get those like kind of classic artistic label battles where it's like somebody's yeah. like no i don't want like yeah you know, creative differences and stuff like, like this. that yeah you know sometimes like the perspective is getting just super deranged about like oh like we need this for radio you know where it's like yeah I mean, you're the liaison to the label kind of yeah basically yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. what is a what does a manager do on a day-to-day like you've done tour management yeah tour and, management is like very specifically like all right what do they do yeah we have a show on april 27th like how are we getting there what do we need when we get there how much like get paid and how are we getting home mm-hmm. right. <laughs> you know it's like right. it's super straightforward logistics yeah um yeah. and like there can end up being like creative ideas that you need to bring to life like production and you know all those elements that you might see anywhere from like a club to an arena mm-hmm. um but at the end of the day like it's very logistics it's very just organization the management side is not necessarily as involved on that process because usually you'll hire a tour manager if you can afford to um to pay attention to all those details specifically the management side you're looking for just every opportunity you can find you know for an artist like any given rapper it's like we need to make music we need to make videos like we need to get you on tour you know we need to find like brand partnerships yeah we need to make sure your phone bill gets paid like yeah. <laughs> every little thing so you you um end up working with cash money you know through you know universal right yeah correct did you end up i guess where's cash money at where are they like based out of they started in new orleans and then after katrina they moved to miami okay um because like khaled was there and rick ross was there and there was sort of this like rap infrastructure Mm -hmm. and it was also a good spot um to promote your records like the uh culture there like there's just outlets for it everywhere yeah like you can get your song in a strip club and see how it reacts there you get your song in a club without strippers and see how it reacts there. <laughs> so I was in New York for about a year and a half with Universal Republic. And um, during that time, I was doing the cash money stuff. Their head of A&R, Josh Berkman, would call me at all hours of the night. And I had no idea why he was doing that. We got a call at like 3 a.m. and then get a call at 6 a.m. And then again at like 8.30 in the morning. I was like, what is this guy on? Because like, we would we would talk a little bit during the day and then he would just wake me up. I'm like, I would always pick up the phone because I like needed the job. Like, yeah. I, you know. What would he like ask you? Would he like what ta- always stuff, like tasks to do and stuff? Oh, yeah, because yeah. like at that point when I was on the universal side, it was always travel. Mm-hmm. He was like, we need this person here tomorrow. It was always like that. Um, mm-hmm. And so I would like schedule it at 3 a.m., like, call our travel service, the overnight line, which they have to, like, pay extra for when you do that. Like, you know, the whole the whole thing. Right. Um, so we kind of developed a relationship that way. Um, and then also during this time period, like, the last eight months of my time at Universal Republic, uh, Tom Akai moved into a different role, the, the guy that I had originally mentioned that was in that head of A&R spot, and they got a new head of A&R named Rob Stevenson. Uh, he came in, he signed Gautier, somebody that I used to know, like the first thing that he signed. And then it was like off to the races. He was super busy uh, and they put me on his desk to be his assistant. So I was doing the cash money stuff and also assisting him. And it literally got to the point where he was like, saw that like I couldn't handle 
yeah. managing all the work that he had going on because you know everything was funneling through him uh and then also this work that like josh was doing giving me like in the middle of the night he's like you have to make a choice and so yeah right at the same time josh said you know come down to miami and do more than just the travel stuff yeah so then i moved down there um and it was like a whole another planet yeah opened up (laughs) yeah that's wild (laughs) are there stylistic differences like when you were you were dealing with tasks or projects from gotia and cash money are there like stylistic differences between like handling rappers and like a rap focused label versus like maybe an alternative or a country or a pop artist um yeah like the functionality of the organization is like totally different like the gotia thing was like very much by the book as much as it could be for like a music thing which like there's always some level of like fuckery but you know there's like paperwork and you know they try and keep things like in a process and like, yeah. that's very much like the universal republic way um the cash money thing was like by this like yeah flying off the handle at all times yeah, like, yeah it's yeah. just like how is this working yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it makes no sense no structure i like get down there and i realize that's when they show up to the studio they're like they show up at midnight and okay. start the day there's no office another is structural difference so like my day-to-day in Miami versus New York, like New York, I would get into the office at like 9.30. I'd leave the office at like 7.30 and then I'd have some time. And then after that, like Josh would start calling me like, yeah. basically when I go to bed versus Miami. Like I'll wake up at like 10 and start working from my home or going over to like Josh's place and working with him. Um, and then similarly, like between seven and midnight, like I'd have some time to myself and then they'd go into the studio at midnight and that's like the first time everybody would like see each other and actually have a chance to have like brainstorming and conversations, decision-making time, um, and and just that general like camaraderie. And that would last until, you know, 6am, 8am, like 11am, you know, like they're not on like anybody's schedule. Yeah. (laughs) You know, like Josh and I have to communicate with, the people that were showing up to the office in new york right, right. you're but, like these like, guys have bankers hours like yeah. nine to five like, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. exactly Wild. so yeah the, it was a completely different thing um and that was what also when i wanted to get into music like i wanted to have an alternative lifestyle so you were cool with all that then it was like a tough adjustment because like there's at that time in my life i was way more like particular about just like feeling like there was a right way for things to get done Mm -hmm. and then that shattered my like expectation (laughs) of like how you can get things done we need but it still got done which is the craziest thing exactly projects get done like that yeah yeah and looking at their track record like (laughs) like arguably they're doing a really damn good job right 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 some time in miami uh with cash money and then out here to nashville from miami yeah, so I was in Miami for like a year and a half, and at that point, um, my role there changed. Like Josh gave me a lot of responsibility; like he really put me on. So mm-hmm. I have to say that. Um, yeah, took me from doing the travel stuff to doing you know producer deals and songwriter deals, and then um, you know finding beats for people to use. And I booked like every studio session that they had traveling with them for events which is kind of how like the tour management thing kind of started because it would be like you know we go to the vmas or the grammys or something and there would be this like posse of dudes that would show up 
it would either be like me or Josh. It's like, who are we going to talk to? Like, they don't have any face tattoos. So like, we'll probably talk to them (laughs) after a year and a half of being there. And then my role expanding into that, I was only in Miami, like five to 10 days a month. Like they were always just on the road, like working, not necessarily even at shows, but like they would go to like LA for like a week and then go to Vegas for the weekend and then go back to LA. So I made the conscious decision of like, okay, uh, this is sick, but it's kind of like the golden handcuffs. Like I want to, yeah do some like other stuff like i need to have my own life i also need like friends you know (laughs) this is like a super bizarre life at that time i coincidentally uh met a girl that was moving here and i started visiting her here and i realized that like my options weren't just to go to la or new york i kind of just didn't really want to go right back to new york and la um, is like a super special place but i didn't want to move there And I realized everybody here was kind of talking my language music wise, like even if they didn't understand the genre that I was working in, they still understood like the premise of the business. Yeah. And I was also meeting really, really cool people here. Um, And I also saw like an opportunity to be able to do something new that was really, really underrepresented in the city. Um, So I made a conscious decision that I was going to leave. I told them and they were luckily super cool about it. they're like, yeah, you can just keep doing what you're doing remotely. So it gave me a ton of time on yeah, not my bad. hands. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, if I needed to do something for them that was out of Nashville, um, I could just travel for it and, mm-hmm. and come back here. So I moved. I started working with a guy named Alex Billa, who I'd met in Miami, uh, who was a songwriter, producer. And that was my first management client. And we like started chasing like publishing deals. And we had like no idea like what we were doing like we would literally like look people up on instagram that like worked at the company and then like figure out who we should talk to yeah and i do that all the time yeah that's what we were doing so that was my first like introduction to management um at that same time like this is probably 2015 that i moved uh or to that maybe late 2014 that i moved to nashville i got the opportunity to do my first like legitimate tour management gig through cash money which wasn't just like making sure they got to the event right but it was actual shows and it was right at the time that birdman was like kind of courting young thug yeah and stoner had come out and danny glover was out and nobody knew like who exactly young thug was signed to but birdman was like dude i'm paying for this guy to go to south by southwest and like let's let's get it yeah (laughs) yeah i had the uh interesting task of like tour managing him for that (laughs) wild yeah it was super weird like we didn't talk really at all for three days but we were like with each other the whole time (laughs) i would tell him what was happening next and he would just like nod and then that was like the end of our conversation yeah wow (laughs) it was super bizarre definitely can't say that he's like my homie (laughs) (laughs) you guys aren't like gonna go to hattie b's i'm not gonna shoot him a text or anything (laughs) so that kind of like hit the ball off there and with the tour management because we had a couple of things that weekend but like the highlight was probably his performance at fader fort and i had a friend named madison who i went to college in boston with and right at this time she got hired by a management company called teamwork that's like diplo dylan francis um and they also had a house dude this legend named claude von stroke and she was working on his team and she hit me up and she had come through fader for it because she was just in austin for south by southwest and she knew i was there um and 
we were just hanging out and she she saw that I was like tour managing and she was like, well, Claude needs a tour manager, but it's really not a full time gig. Like he's doing festivals this summer. So it's like, you know, we have 14 dates in three months. So right. like we, high season and then that's it. Or right. Yeah. Um, so I was like, well, my schedule is like super weird and flexible right now. It was like perfect timing. So. I was doing the cash money stuff and doing management stuff with Alex. And like, if cash money would fly me somewhere, I mean, they would really only fly me to New York or LA. Yeah. So if I was in either of those places, like Alex would book a flight and like come stay in my hotel room with me. And like, I would do my thing. And then you would just like, we would turn into a work trip for us. Sick. And then when I wasn't doing either of those gigs, um, Maddie gave me that opportunity to start tour managing with Claude. And so, um, that was like the real first tour management gig where like I was really in charge of like making sure that he got to the shows and stuff. Um, uh, your management company now, Bad Mood, uh, does tour management and artist management or mostly artist management? It does both. Yeah. Okay. So both things get channeled through there. Um, I started that in 2016. So like right after all of this started, I realized like, okay, I should probably like turn this into just something. Mm. Uh, so that it's not just my name on the invoice, you know, like make it a little more official and like give right. myself an email. Yeah, like right. literally the whole time I was at Cash Money, I was using my personal Gmail. Universal Music, obviously, they have like umusic.com emails. Like everybody at Cash Money, it could have been like a Yahoo account and it would be like <laughs> like another just organizational difference. Like, right, right. Yeah. Like Wild West. So uh, yeah, I kind of formalized that into bad mood. Um, just like, a play on words because everybody in the music industry seems to be in a bad mood and i try not to ever be <laughs> i just <laughs> yeah. like you know try not to take it that seriously like it'll be we'll work it out <laughs> yeah, yeah i'm sure that pays with clients and stuff and like attracting clients i think it's definitely been like a key to any success i've had with tour management like apart from the fact that like there's a very obvious task that needs to be accomplished it's just like communicating with people and being calm and like not contributing to an already stressful lifestyle yeah <laughs> you know it's right like, mm -hmm. Make at the end of the day it's like super fun and even the like shitty stuff in music i think is fun so yeah yeah <laughs> i mean you would be rather dealing with like terrible situations on the road than like terrible situations in an office <laughs> yeah but what about like some of the stuff that's stressful like l let's say an artist you know however it works has to get to a show and and like either they miss a flight or like there's a van that can take you mm -hmm. but but you've got to pay three thousand dollars because it's you know the only van and it's overnight like for sure how do you resolve that type of stuff uh or like give us an example maybe okay. yeah okay so about like four months ago i was on the road with promeo and um we were doing a run of gigs mostly club gigs like in like memphis we hit nashville uh asheville southeast area and they had a promotional date during that two-week run that was uh npr tiny desk which was super tight yeah sick. and um for that they didn't need like the whole crew so like the rest of our crew went from one show which i think was in uh dc or it wasn't actually in dc because that's where npr was but it was nearby that area and they drove down to Asheville the day before us and then myself the two members of chromio and um their guitar tech we all went to dc we do tiny desk finish that up we're gonna go to the airport head down to Asheville, and 
flight gets delayed flight gets delayed flight gets delayed like we're gonna miss our connection in charlotte at this point exactly like he said like we kind of all looked at each other and we're like do we just like rent a van and like do the damn thing so we did that was a super stressful situation but it was like the most fun part like we had great bonding time like we were chit-chatting for like three hours right right right. yeah like that was uh 1 a.m. Denny's conversation in the middle of nowhere. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like it gets done. Sometimes it does cost like $3,000, yeah. but you know, right. there's a lot of biting the bullet monetarily in, in this industry. Yeah. Yeah, no doubt. I could see how like that would, I would enjoy the like spontaneity of it. You know what I mean? Yeah, like um, having to, I mean, you got to create a new plan all like off the, off the whim, you know, just, all right this is what we're gonna do now (laughs) but i mean having like a positive attitude being able to like see the benefit in it you know and just enjoy that like you said just enjoy that that time together that time in the car you know denny's i think that's crucial because a lot of people would let that like ruin their mood or you hear about diva behavior so i'm also super lucky to have worked with people that are like pretty chill Mm -hmm. or if they weren't chill like the cash money stuff wasn't chill but when you have like that much money you 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 can be a little bit more demanding yeah (laughs) you don't have as many problems you have more accessibility to solutions so you ended up in nashville like you kind of have you like severed ties completely with cash money at that point Um, i mean i guess later on the last thing i did with them was after i had moved when we were working on uh not the last Nicki Minaj project but the project before this past one and Mm. that was like my biggest credit up to that point so I was super psyched about that. And then we were also like quietly working on Carter five at that point too. Um, and we were clearing samples and side artists and like, it was, it was in progress. Like probably I think four or five of the tracks that we were working on at that point made the, the version final. that came out. Yeah. Wow. Um, like Mona Lisa existed then the Travis Scott feature existed then, uh, the Manny Fresh tune was around at that point. Um, and so I was, I remember like being super excited because I was like, yeah, you know, the you heard one it. made me really proud to have like worked on a project of that scale. And then I was like, all right, the next one's going to be like the Carter, a Carter album. Yeah. And then I remember it was like the Nikki project came out in November or December. And then like right in January, like the Wayne Birdman, like public. Yeah. So you were like still around yeah. when that felt like when that whole falling out happened? Yeah. I mean, it was kind of like. Does that affect you on like a daily operational level? I mean, I stopped. I knew it was like the end. Like I didn't work at, on any projects after that because I was like, I could see it was pointless, you know, and it literally did take until this most recent. So there was like a two year break. And during that point, like the Drake projects were the only thing that really happened. And he's autonomous at this point. Like he can put out a project yeah. through cash money without having anything to do with g'd up so yeah <laughs> uh yeah it completely ruined like the workflow and when universal saw that there was like that internal fighting their reaction to a lot of like the shenanigans kind of they they put the hammer down then it kind of was like the first time i saw them say no like yeah well it's kind of like we let you do it your way you know as long as it works and then the minute it doesn't all right now it's our way you yeah. know what i mean and i'm sure they were waiting for that moment so you've been in Nashville like three years now. You've seen a lot of change, huh? <laughs> yeah, man. It's been awesome. Yeah. I mean, there's been the obvious like physical changes in Nashville, but um 
people like yourself, like highlighting the developments here, there's a lot of them. Every type of creative outlet that there is musically, there's more people pursuing and organizing themselves into like collectives that are outside of country. Yep. Um, I still think the industry is way behind here. Mm hmm. Uh, and you know part of that's probably just because it's already kind of like given that like la or new york handles pop and rap so i think that is like the one thing that lags behind but i see the people that like are actually creating that yeah they're here the progress is like beginning to be made at least yeah um that's like and i guess you know just listening from you speak i kind of get the feeling that's not your ideas too you know you talked about being a part of something new yeah um Let's expand the music here, you know, because uh, the resources are here. Obviously, we already have plenty of labels. They're going to be like the slowest part of the machine. As far as the machine goes, like there's definitely a machine in L.A. that's like facilitating the process of creating music mm-hmm. in a way that like Nashville's is not. You know, there's studios and publishing companies that see that as their primary opportunity to make money. And like, I don't think that the Nashville industry they may see it, but uh, they're not taking on that like role. Yeah. Or whoever uh-huh. is like directing this location, that's not what they're telling Focuses. people to focus on. Yeah. Because you know? they do have that existing country machine or like, that pop machine where it's like a little bit more malleable between the two. Whereas like the the rap thing can be like totally outside of that. Yeah. Uh, I think it's also kind of like just a regional thing here too, though, because like in pop music, you see like Maroon Five puts. Kendrick on a song and then they put like uh, Cardi B on a song and mm-hmm. then they you, it's like clearly clearly like so constructed yeah right? like that obviously somebody in Nashville could do the same thing if that was their directive mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. you mentioned point. that a lot Zach <laughs> I mean Florida Georgia Line they had that song with BB Rexa and that was like a huge huge like pop country like yeah. hybrid technically her song and they were featured on it Oh, was that? Yeah, it was okay. hers, and they were featured on it, and it was like her country, you know, quote unquote country yeah. song. Yeah, I mean, it would be difficult to take like a Kendrick Lamar and throw him on a song with Kane Brown. Another thing that's like definitely separates the two, though, is the media itself. Like, um, oh if, yeah, if you take something like the Fader, where they're like one of the only one only outlets where I have seen them give coverage to you know, country music, like they gave Casey Musgraves a cover too. And it's like yep. one month will be future. And then Casey Musgraves. And yeah. then you're not seeing like any crossover anywhere else yeah. simultaneously. Like the scene here, you know, like what are like changes or like things that you would like? I mean, specifically on that topic, I don't really have any input. Cause like, I just don't know the country world well enough, mm-hmm. but in general, like I think something in Nashville that I always see is like a hip hop show that has like 12 performers on it. And it's yeah. like, you know, I think we need to have like artists that are have more of a traction. Yeah, unique vision or okay. like an identifiable sound and personality versus just like trying to fit into like this just mold of like whatever a rapper is right now. Yeah, you know? uh, which I, that's always going to happen in any scene. But you know, I haven't really seen anybody like really. Um, single themselves out in a way that made me notice it like chancellor warhol was the first person that here that like really really made me like i was like okay like you have a really uh unique perspective on like what your music is going to be and it's still rap 
but um you know there's there's a handful of others like i think brian brown is like really talented and i think mike floss is really talented um now i'm trying to forget people but just in general like those people also seem so disconnected from everybody else like there's not really like a community around it you know there's also like petty and like petty's are incredible too but you know there's like this separation between everybody yeah um and then when everybody does come together it kind of seems like this mishmash of like 12 to 15 performers all at once whereas like if i go to a show like i want to see like see an opener and then i want to see like somebody really put it on like whatever their thing is so we don't really have that on the industry side i feel like people are trying to get a handle on it but it's just a little bit like precarious for them to figure out what they're doing or make it fit in their organization Mm -hmm. um like the publishers like they've definitely i've talked to people about it and like they're interested in making it happen like rock nation has a presence here yeah um so like there's that's like a just an obvious big name where you like think hip-hop like right then yeah um but they don't just work in hip-hop here so yeah like Um, they have like uh daniel bradbury mm -hmm. is you know a country artist who signed with rock nation yeah it's wild yeah sorry i didn't interrupt you no you're good (laughs) because like you said you don't think about it like that you know right the one thing that i do see happening and like you know you've had jamie and deshaun from the rooted gang on Mm -hmm. and it's like that kind of cultural organization like once i saw what they started doing i was like oh okay like this is not to make a pun but like that's like the root of how music can happen too it's like you have an identifiable outlet for the fashion that Mm -hmm. is associated with this um on a particularly high level with what they're doing but just in general and then uh music goes hand in hand with that yeah so it's like anything that they're working on the music that goes into that is gonna like elevate it as a rallying point right yeah exactly it's it's something to like build off um a club which like we don't we don't really have those neutral meeting grounds because like when you you know if you work in music and then you hang out with somebody in music on only on the strength of the fact that like you're talking about music it's like yeah your conversation is like a little bit like uh impersonal almost you know yeah so if you can meet each other you know in a way that's like not just about the fact that you have this one thing in common you know, yeah it's like oh these shoes are sick that's or interesting like, oh we're trying to have like a friday night like here we both are like there's that personal connection that you get built and then like just the economics of it r- like rooted having their two-year anniversary recently you know like everybody's coming out and like not only are we getting like a great hang but like people are spending money mm-hmm. you know and right. um people going out there and like showing that like they're spending money in public around rallying around like this one thing you know that's bringing them together like that businesses identifying that in nashville is going to be really important because you know people i feel like it had been the opposite for a long time where Mm -hmm. they're like hip-hop like i'm not so sure about this like even like honestly like you don't even hear like the new drake song or like the new like yeah not even like super hood stuff just like just let's just hear like the new slapper song like while we're out like <laughs> yeah. what's the new wrong slapper. with that? Yeah. play like, that slapper i have a hard time dude <laughs> you know, it's almost impossible i feel like those djs are we're starting to get that though like dj magic man he yeah he plays a lot of uh yeah. the latest stuff i was yeah, at we gotta go see him he's at black rabbit tonight isn't he yeah and they're yeah. playing sandlot i want to go he talk. djs like almost every night now and he always yeah he like the places he finds the dj are always playing 
and allowing him to play whatever he wants, Sick. which mm-hmm. is going to be hip hop, Afrobeat, pop music. Like he plays like the full spectrum yeah. unapologetically, which is like awesome. And Sick. Bar Sovereign in particular has been, you know, that spot where on Tuesdays you can go and see him or hear him really because he's kind of like up in the rafters in a way yeah curating the music like you can go and hear that music in an awesome setting that's like uh not available everywhere in nashville but is kind of available almost everywhere else in at least as far as major city is concerned like as far as clubs are concerned like it it has felt like segregated to me because like you can go out to a club that is playing like hip-hop and rap and you'll be like one of the only white people there, which is not how it should be. I got a question shifting gears. Uh, you have put together quite a few partnerships with labels and artists and and brands. Like obviously there's a eventually a contract to sign, but like what is it like leading up to that? Uh, it's definitely like having that personal relationship usually to like start it off and then uh, or having a business relationship that's like specifically built around that which is like that infrastructure that we're still developing here but like having a publisher that knows uh like with chancellor like we got his song on an nba commercial that was through his publishing company like they had like the moment the right moment where they needed a song right there's no rules like there's things that have happened in the past but like if you can see it a different way and if you can get enough leverage to do it different way and have somebody be okay with it like you can definitely get it done even if you find an opportunity where there isn't money initially just putting it in the contract where it's like hey if this gets bought out by somebody else or if like the scope of how this is released changes over time like from what we're doing right now it's like ever been either this particular thing needs to happen or like an entirely new negotiation needs to occur yeah you know so that can lead to new developments as well like monetarily for sure right um let's talk about your artists that you work with and you mentioned like chancellor a couple times um and also billy k right yeah uh who dj'd at the rooted uh event rooted anniversary party um how did you how did those relationships come about for you um chancellor and i met through a mutual friend just like literally walking down the street and i saw her and she was with him and she was like you guys should probably know each other (laughs) um and i had heard his name ever since i moved because whenever people would ask me about rap music they'd be like well do you know chancellor or have you heard chancellor what do you think of chancellor and i was like it's tight i don't know him though but yeah um we met uh that day later that week we got together we just chopped it up for probably about 40 minutes at crema and then uh, i remember he was like all right man you want to like hear some music like hear some of like what we've been talking about i was like yeah i'm down and we went out we got in his car and i thought we were gonna like go drive to somewhere and he just starts playing the music in the car and i was like okay sick like (laughs) he played me i think four or five songs and then he showed me a music video i was like so like what's the deal with all this because i was super impressed and like kind of taken aback because usually when somebody will play you some stuff and you're like okay cool like even if it's good you can tell like there's some like improvement room yeah yeah, like i heard this basically what was a fully formed project i was like what is going on like what are you doing with it he's like it's unreleased so Mm -hmm. that was like the start of our relationship through chancellor we had a session once and i remember he invited zach taylor who goes by dreamer boy now 
and Billy Cave and Justice Sloan. Fast forward like a year, year and a half, and then Billy and I are working together now. So, and Billy, like Magic, is like one of those people that plays hip hop. He plays like house music. You know, he plays just like a super vibed out like BBC Radio style set. I don't want to live in Miami by any means, but there's like all of these little factors from Miami that like I I want to see just more represented here. Working with an artist named um, Armani Rain as well, who's an MC. He uh, he came up in drum and bass, and at like at this point he's a legend. Um, he and I met through one of my tour management clients, whose name is Bro Safari. Um, he's a EDM <laughs> DJ, which. <laughs> calling him an edm dj like that that's kind of like i guess an offensively like simplistic way of saying what he does like he's right. he's like a master of production and anytime we have a bro safari show armani comes out and armani's ability to like control a crowd is insane he's he can do it so tastefully and he's just like so experienced with it it's incredible so like as a manager like what do you think what do you think is like important for a manager? If there's like one thing, I guess, or even two things, a couple of things that like stand out, like your role. I'll at least say like the things I've learned for myself to improve on, like persistence. Uh, just like <laughs> you know, people will not answer you all the time, mm-hmm. you know, and like I'll not on purpose, but I'll not answer people too. Yeah, you know, it just happens, and so like just persistence, persistence, persistence. So many times when, like, you like speaking of the cold email, like you, you email someone that you know or you don't know, even p- people you know, you know, like, why don't they email me back? Like, most of the time, people don't email you back not because they don't want to or because, or because they don't like you. It's it's like people are too busy. Like they're they're not yeah. emailing you back because there's like physically not enough time. Yeah, and, and, and like you sometimes you just have to tell people two or three times. Yeah, especially today. A lot of times you got to just catch people when they're answering email. Um, What about like from the artist perspective? Like I just always want artists to pursue the thing that is like most interesting to them. Uh, And I'll help in any way I can to like manage that and also put it in a framework that makes it make sense for people. Mm -hmm. Um, I think it's important for artists to be like open to that framework because like you can do the craziest thing that you want, but like if it doesn't, make dollars happen yeah and like any anything like whether it's a good or bad doesn't matter just about creating it and then presenting it inside of a framework because you hear bad music all the time and it's successful like it's not about like making the making good art and then making money are like two separate ideas that can happen at the same time Mm -hmm. but like they they don't mean the same thing ever you know and if they do it just happens to happen that way because i think that is the most important thing to frame and the most interesting thing to frame and then like take it from there yeah that's a great way to put it yeah for sure do you have anything you're working on you have anything exciting coming up or you want to plug anything uh billy and i started a project called goddamn what the fuck that's um basically as i was saying earlier like there's a lot of artists that i listened to in high school that were not rap Mm-hmm. Um, but the one thing that I always loved about rap, even at that point when I was listening to like punk rock or like indie, I always loved the rap visuals. Like I thought it was so like hype Williams stuff. Like that was so sick. It was just like so yeah. over the top. Yeah. And then aesthetically too, like the, 
and fashion wise so billy and i started this project that's basically just bootleg t-shirts of artists like bjork and bowie and um you know stuff that you're gonna find on like the serious college rock channel but from uh basically the early 2000s it's all their imagery reimagined through the lens of like a pen and pixel style uh hip-hop cover art basically okay and and billy has a hand in that as well uh you can plug uh billy cave it's at billy cave right cave at chancellor warhol at armani rain at bro safari yeah um bad mood management uh no there's no instagram for that one badmood.co.co there we go my email's on there and uh at goddamn what the fuck yeah (laughs) dope yeah that's it for this weekend man thanks for hanging out with us you can follow us on instagram at these of nashville um as always like subscribe and please leave some reviews show us some love and uh we'll show it back all right peace thanks for for the time man Uh, I got something for sale, just be my clientele